Hello and welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, author of How to Start a Side Hustle and resident business coach, serving you straight up business advice to help you start, grow and scale the business of your dreams. to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford. And it's been a hot minute since we've been on the podcast. Lots has happened uh, in since I was last year. I think the last episode we talked about um, launching the online course and how I did that and diversifying my income. Since then, I was in Japan, luckily enough to have a two-week holiday and get engaged, which was exciting news. And the first proper holiday of not touching my emails or work for the first time in 10 years. So it's taken me a hot minute to get back into workflow, um, but very much appreciating the privilege and the opportunity to take time off and be in a different world of the amazing country that is Japan. If you need any tips and you're traveling there, let me know. I've got lots of great food and wine and fun wrecks for you. Um, But what else has been happening? We're gearing up for the holiday season. I spoke at the Purpose Conference, which is where this today's podcast came from, um, which was an incredibly inspiring conference about purpose-driven businesses and incredibly humbling to be asked to speak at that conference alongside people who are doing amazing work from you know, taking carbon out of the world, out of the uh, atmosphere and putting it into building materials that, you know, are more sustainable, Um, chatting to people who are setting up electric car companies and architects who are building companies based on values-driven architecture, which is pretty cool. But it was really inspiring to be there and Um, had the opportunity to meet Sally, who's the founder, who said that she'd been following my work for 10 years and after seeing the calibre of people and businesses at Purpose Conference, it was really humbling to to know that she had invited me to be there. So one of those pinch you moments where you realise that, yeah, all the hard work behind the scenes, sitting at a computer showing up (laughs) for 10 years, Um, yeah, there's people who are out there who have been seeing and watching and following. So if that's been you, thank you for being here the last nearly 10 years. I think about, I think it might be April, maybe August next year, that'll be our official 10 years. I keep saying nearly 10 years. So yes, it's very nice to know that I have been in business for 10 years and yes, so many of you on the ride still. So thank you for keeping me relevant. (laughs) Um, but it hasn't come without exhaustion. I think taking time off has felt, um, allowed my body to realize that it has been really exhausting. Every day I wake up and it has been the success of my business, but also once I finally stopped and went on holidays and switched off, I realized that I get up every day and I meditate or I do a morning routine and I go, right, what do I need to do? What content do I need to create? What you know, emails should I send? What new opportunities should I chase? 
And, yeah, it's finally catching up on me and giving me a chance to reflect um, about how amazing this year but also the last 10 years and the amazing people that I continue to meet and work with as a coach and as a presenter and course creator. Um, So, yeah, incredibly humbling. Thank you for being here. We actually, speaking of exhaustion, um, you might have been there, you might have caught it not long ago, we did, when I got back from Japan, um, it was a pretty rough time for many and myself included of, you know, facing the fallout of the failed voice vote in Australia and a war happening um, that is being live streamed, it feels, every day. So it's been really hard to show up and to create content and talk about side hustling and you know, being inspiring when there's so much, you know, pain and suffering happening around the world and speaking to a lot of coaching clients and small businesses, realised that a lot of us were going through it and probably also catching up on a few years of exhaustion with COVID and, you know, even just reflecting on this year, which I'm working on a podcast specifically to it, but it has been, you know, the cost of living crisis kind of kicked us off to begin with and then we've had things like, AI and fearing that that's going to take our jobs and and we've had a war and we've had the voice and so many different things that have pulled our attention and, you know, kind of helped us to question, I guess, what's real and, you know, what why we're here and why we show up and start our own businesses and, and want to keep running a business in such crazy times. Um, I know I've been having a lot of those conversations with people around me and, you know, journaling myself and I was lucky enough to team up with some other business coaches and creatives, Marion Piper, uh, Fiona from My Daily Business, Prue from Owners Collective, Kylie from Of Kin um, and we hosted a webinar that was a, a bit of a check-in for people who are feeling exhausted and tired which was definitely a highlight of the last couple of months. Um, And that was something that we're looking to do more ongoing and just a nice reminder to collaborate with people who are like-minded and that when we feel like we can't create content or, you know, make marketing, you know, sales and things to still be able to show up and connect with your community and how valuable that has been for people. So, yeah, it's been a big year. A lot of people are feeling the exhaustion and the tiredness. Personally, yeah, moved house, been overseas, got engaged, launched an online course, hosted some amazing events this year, lots of content, um, but definitely ready for that holiday and ready to gear up for the side hustle, new year, new you goals coming in January that often gets to connect with a lot of amazing people who are ready to set their goals and take action. So get in touch if you'd like to um, work on something together. But let's uh, jump into today's episode. Today's episode is with Brooke, who is one of the founders of Sharesies. And like I mentioned, I met Brooke at the Purpose Conference. I saw her talk and was really inspired and instantly intrigued by the business that she helped found. And it's a app and also an online platform that helps people to invest. So they've really 
paved the way in creating a new model for investment and their vision and their purpose is to make investing and growing wealth accessible to everyone. So whether you want to invest $5 or $5 million, there's a way for you to get into the investing market. And, you know, over the last few years, I think we've seen how volatile the world can be, the, you know, cost of living, the interest rates, COVID lockdowns, you know, all of the increase in running a business prices as well. Um, so investing, I think, is one of those things that is, you know, and I shared this with Brooke about it being, you know, sometimes, you know, inaccessible and kind of this finbro world where, you know, we, a lot of, you know, small people who might go, oh, that's not for me or it feels dodgy or I'm going to get scammed. Um, but they've created this amazing platform that is, you know, also closely connected with First Nations people, but very purpose-driven in making financial security and investment and abundance uh, available for people. And I think that's something that, you know, we should strive towards and getting our financial literacy up to date and also preparing ourselves for the future um, in a time where it hasn't been that accessible to build wealth and buy houses like maybe some of the previous generations before us. So it's a cool business model Brooke's amazing. The company's awesome. I've downloaded the app. This is not sponsored. Um, just a company that really inspired me in the way that they disrupted an industry that I guess has previously felt uh, unex- unattainable or, you know, not for me. So really loved this conversation. We talked a lot about brand values and how do you build trust and how do you pave the way when you're doing something new and Brooke shares some amazing advice about how they started out um, and so and and validated their business idea, which I thought was really cool as well. So lots of really practical business tips for anyone looking to um, get an idea out there and figure out where to start and how to make sure that it's going to work and then, you know, what have they done to kind of cut through in the marketplace and educate people but also build trust so amazing podcast awesome company highly recommend checking them out and enjoy the chat welcome to the podcast brooke lovely to have you here oh it's so great to be here thanks for having me Oh, our pleasure. It's uh, I saw you speak at Purpose Conference recently, um, which was an amazing event. And instantly, like I remember, you know, when you you fall in love with a brand or a business or, you know, the pe- people behind it, when you are listening to someone talk and you download the app straight away um, and came home <laughs> from it was like, you know, you kind of see so many people talk, but like that you guys were top of mind and being like, this is cool. Um so yeah, let, let's start with introducing yourself and, and your business and a bit of where the idea came from. Yeah, sweet as. Cool. So yeah, I'm Brooke. I'm one of the uh, one of the co-founders of Sharesies. There's six of us that founded it. And um, we're, we're really here to create financial empowerment for everyone. And we do that by giving someone with $5 million and $5 the same money opportunities. Uh, the idea all started back in 2016. There was a lot of media about millennials spending all their money on smashed avocado and um, and that's why they couldn't get into housing. 
where the realities were quite different than that. And they really felt there was this real increase from then of this feeling of not being able to get ahead with money and not being able to, um, not being able to own a home and investing not really something that people would do or know much about. Um, and it, it was starting to see the psyche, psyche of like that future opportunities were going to get tougher. And we um, wanted to see how we, what we could do to kind of reverse that narrative. Um, so we spent a bunch of time interviewing people, actually hundreds of people doing eth- ethnographic interviews. So really deep uh, conversations with people about um money in their life and it was really interesting to learn you know a lot and kind of what we expected in a lot of ways too that there's a real uh a lot of people have quite a negative connotation when it comes to money and feel quite um like that they're not doing it right there's a lot of fear and kind of um and shame often but then what we learned too is that investing felt like something people would want to have access to, but 99% of people thought they couldn't be an investor. They felt like they needed heaps of money or they felt really jargoned out, like you have to have a degree in finance and be following the markets all the time. And then essentially felt branded or left out that like it was really only for the wealthy few. So, um, But there's something really interesting when people started to think about investing. They started to think about the goals that they have in their future and the opportunities they want to have and how you know, started to kind of reframe and it felt quite positive. And we were like, if we could get more people having access to this and feeling like, um, you know, the, that their money can start working harder for them, no matter how much they have, um, and getting that into really good habits with money, then over time that compounds into, you know, incredible opportunities for them. So that's uh, a bit behind the genesis of Sharesies. And Sonia, mm. one of our co-founders, had the initial idea and we all mm. jumped in and, Amazing. Here we are, seven years later. Uh, <laughs> no, I have so many questions because I, I years ago when I was before Startup Creative, I was in my corporate job and I remember going to this professional development course and was like, you know, get your money in order. And so, you know, they recommend getting um, like a broker and, you know, it was like a minimum investment was two and a half thousand. You had to pay the broker. Like, you know, who knows if they are probably taking a card. I don't remember now, but it did feel this thing of like, you know, you should start with at least 5,000 and, and this, you know, often kind of like fin bro person, you know, this tight suit, the slicked hair thing, like, yeah, <laughs> don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I think, you know, so I've seen the evolution. So when I came across the app and the company, I was like, wow, this is amazing to see what has changed. And I'm really interested in how you guys went about that. I'd love to hear about the team makeup as well of coming together on the common goal. But I think the thing that we're, when I think of finance industry and investing, the the word that kind of is like lack of trust, you know, and I think what mm. you guys have done is have made it feel like, you know, I downloaded the app straight away and was like, oh, yeah, I trust this company straight away, you know. Um, but I'd be interested to hear how you've gone about, you know, building that and like, you know, the the team behind it as well. Yeah, and that's so crucial and it's so great you feel that way too because that's something we invested in a lot in. You know, we wanted to be something that is um, fun and also credible, you know, and we are highly regulated and we, you know, only have regulated products on our platform, which is um, important. Uh, And then also making sure though that we use everyday language and make it feel accessible and interesting too so that people are engaging and and wanting to 
learn mm. about investing. And yeah, I mean, that story you said then in terms of that broker persona and, and the kind of minimums, that, that was like that before we started. Um, and that's why one of the key parts of the problems we wanted to solve was, you know, when people felt priced out, like they needed heaps of money, we're like, we're going to make sure that you can, there's no minimum investment on our platform. Mm. So you can literally invest however much you want because we wanted to take it away. We want to take that narrative away of like investing only being for people with heaps of money. Like we wanted it to be for anyone. And we also wanted to make sure people felt like they could, they could learn by doing and start with amounts they can afford and build their knowledge and skill set. And it's, it's like, you know, if you're that old saying, you know, if you buy a red car, all you see is red cars. And it's like, you know, as soon as you get into investing and you try, all you see is like information about those companies or funds or what's happening in the economy. Like, your brain, it, it, you know, you start to kind of see the possibilities of what's happening. And um, and that's what we've found through people's experience on Sharesies. Um, but getting to the team, yeah, so there were six of us that started. And we had a lot of the key skills we needed to be able to get something like this off the ground. Um, we, we gave ourselves three months to go, can we find a way where we can, um, you know, change you know, create more empowerment when it comes to investing and developing wealth. And can we do that um, in this highly regulated environment within three months? So um, it was quite good, the, the the mix of skills we had, of the six of us, where we had um, one of our founders is a chief designer, so a really great design thinker and creative that helped us, you know, shape what she's looked like. Two developers, because, you know, there's, there's a whole ledger. We, we couldn't really partner with other financial services providers because the economics just wouldn't work when we're trying to make sure that anyone has access. Um, and so we built a lot of the tech ourselves. Um, and so we needed to have some really strong developers in that space. And thankfully, they, you know, we were in discussions with them. Then Sonia Layden and I, we're the three EOs of Sharesy. So we um, share the CEO seat in a way. Uh, and we have really cool cross-section of skills around product and marketing and regulation and customer research and uh, and, th- and things like that. So it was really helpful to have those skills combined. Our first hire was a lawyer, um, general counsel, and then um, and then someone also helping us with uh, customers. And, and yeah, we've just grown to mm. around 150 of us now. So it's it's grown a bit since the six of us. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, and we're based in Australia and uh, New Zealand. Incredible. I think it's really important that branding marketing language because I think people overlook that sometimes or, you know, just slap a logo together and it really goes to show how much of a difference it makes when you're, you know, disrupting an industry and, you know, standing out. And I think that's what we've always tried to do with Startup Creative would be like, how can we break this down and give everyone access? Um, but it would be, I'm interested to what was the, I mean, you said that you built the tech, but did the did you have um like a finance i don't know like someone in the team as well like who understood investing <laughs> what's the word yeah, <laughs> the yeah. economist yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah no yeah so um i have a masters in finance so i you know was very interested in that space and uh and then also um Leighton, who's also one of the co-founders started an investment club when he was 17 years old with a bunch of his mates and so that kind of showed like the ethos of how you could go about something like this, or like how do you do this without having to be Layden's mate? Like how could you make this mm. more accessible? So there was some um, knowledge in that yeah. regard. Yeah, that's cool. I like that because it's like testing the business model at age seventeen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then exactly. trying to get to it out. 
Um, <laughs> and building the tech yourselves, how hard was it to pave the way? Was there anything similar? Was there, what did you kind of come up against? Like how hard was it, I guess, you know, I mean, almost like that Uber of having to, you know, change consumer behavior as well. But what was that like, I guess, from the, from the finance you know, industry or, you know, what did you come up against, if anything? Yes, definitely. Can <laughs> um, yeah, I had a feeling. I, yeah. Um, so, where to start there? With um, on the tech side, the the key thing we knew we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure people could invest however much they wanted, um, not have to buy full shares or certain amounts, and so that was a massive challenge to the industry. And we had to work quite closely with. Um, regulators and the the exchanges to be able to make that happen. So, um, for instance, we are uh, NZX participants, so we uh, that enables us to um, trade and settle with a New Zealand stock exchange. And we needed to make sure we're the, we're the only people that I'm aware of that for the Australian stock exchange and New Zealand stock exchange that we. Um, fractionalized so you don't have to buy a full share and so that was quite tricky in itself to make sure people can understand that that we can work with the regulators and work with the um the industry to make sure that we can like really help them understand why that was important and there was a lot of pushback in that but also a lot of people starting to go ah i see this i see why and you know help us make that happen which was cool um we had naysayers, you know, in the industry, and we've also had really cool support, actually, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real, it's kind of, it was a real dichotomy of reactions. One was like, ha, this is never going to work. You know, people are stupid, pretty much. You know, they won't know how to invest. You just, you know, it's just not going to work. So, like, um, to, oh, my gosh, this is so great. I can't wait for my children to understand what my job is now. I can't wait for people to actually get into investing because it's so important that people feel like they, they learn more about how to make money work for them. Like, so you have those, re- like there's a lot of people in the finance industry that are like that too. And so that was really cool. Um, and we just chose to stick to the believers really. And and mm-hmm. sometimes when you'd hear the naysayers, like you'll never get 10,000 customers, you know, or, um, you know, you just, it kind of provide ammo, like, yes, we will. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Like there's a massive opportunity here. And then creating that social movement, it's true. Like we really needed to reframe a lot of things. We needed to help people set new habits. We needed to, um, you know, help educate people um, and and make sure that we removed the fear and that kind of that feeling of shame around money because it's really not individuals. It's not our problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's it's the structure that's been around us and the lack of uh, education and schooling and, and the, the, jargon the industry uses that's created this divide and so it's our job to make sure we're closing that and um and doing that in a way that's fun and engaging and so that's Mm. um that's been a big part of uh how we've you know shaped our identity too and also the change we want to create on society over time too yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe I, because I feel like we skipped over this, but do you want to give a, oh, a quick elevator pitch? No, it was my bad because I just oh, got yeah. carried away. But <laughs> for those listening who are just like, well, how does it work? What is the, you know, yeah. and I've downloaded the app and haven't gone back to it yet, but I am going to, I was going to be my homework. Um, but no. give us the quick rundown. Like you download the app, obviously you set up, you get the validation, you know, it's all safe yeah. and good, but then what happens next? Yeah, cool. So, yeah, you can download the app from any of your app stores. You sign up and we um, 
make it as easy as we can to ID you because we're dealing with money. We need to make sure that we meet the anti-money laundering um, requirements. So you're in there, you're in the app, and then you'll be able to invest. And there's a few ways you can go about that. There's this feature called auto-invest, and that's where you can set up automatic investments into either a global order, um, which invests you know around the world, or a responsible order, which invests in more socially responsible investments. Or you can pick your own, um, and you can pick your own off the investments off the New Zealand Stock Exchange, the Australian Stock Exchange, and US exchanges. So there's quite a lot of um, room in that. You can also choose to um, just choose what you want to invest in, and there's a, you can use the um, Explore tab to search uh, the investment app options that might be right for you. And so um, there's a mix of exchange traded funds there, which uh, when you're investing in a a bunch of companies say the Australian top 200, you'd be investing in the top 200 companies on the Australian Stock Exchange uh, versus, say, picking one, which you can also do on shares. You can pick individual companies. And then when you pick those and, you, and you're looking through them, you can see their risk ratings. So you can go, oh, yeah, how risky is this investment? And am I up for that? And you can just buy it and, and you, you choose how much you want to invest. Uh, you don't have to invest a certain amount of shares um, or a certain amount of money and then off you go. And so that's how we've got people into um, investing and creating those habits. And we've also wanted to help automate as much as possible when it comes to habits around money. We've got this um, thing called roundups where people can, you know, if you buy a coffee and it's, oh, I don't know, these days are so expensive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it cheap. Uh, <laughs> at $4.70 or something, you know, the 30 cents can get rounded up into your, into your um, share, you know, into sharesies. And so that's a way that you can, um, build up investing over time too. And the aim of the game is to have that, you know, obviously, I mean, I won't get into too much of it because you guys have got a great website full of resources about how it works and things like that. But it's the it's a savings mechanism where you're investing and, and yeah, letting it sit. Yeah, it's a way to um, what we're, you know, the, the aim is to kind of grow wealth over time. And uh, there's so much, like the, the power is in money, the most powerful aspect of money is time which I remember my first finance class, I learned this equation, the time value of money. And the, the, the thing that makes money really valuable is time, but given either the interest rates earned or the compounding returns. So you can get returns off investing uh, in two ways, through capital gains, so the share price increasing over time, or um, through dividends where you get paid out the company's um, profit because you're a shareholder, so you get um you get part of that profit paid out as a dividend. And so if you're reinvesting those back into the company and funds, then um, then your money is making money and then your money is making money on its money and it, and it compounds from there. And um, that's the incredible element of time when it comes to money. And that's what we want to make sure people get more exposure mm-hmm. to. Amazing. And I think it's a it's a good way to like, you know, sit on your couch and look at, you know, educating yourself and playing with the app rather than, you know, scrolling or whatever else we do. So I think that accessibility yeah, yeah. is amazing. Um, I'm interested because I know you guys do a lot of work around, you know, I think I read it off your side around, um, you know, diversifying, um, you know, wealth. And you guys work a lot with Indigenous communities as well. Has it been hard to build a, you know, a tech platform that is, you know, like profit driven and, you know, um, in that finance world and also stay true to, you know, well, what are we also doing for, you know, that ethical, sustainable, you know, community driven side of things? 
Yeah. So ever since we started, we knew that we we are a for-profit company and for purpose. So we are a B Corp and we, you know, we got application in as soon as we were, you know, had our revenue, uh, a year's worth of revenue, I believe is what you need to be able to become one. And I think, and it's ingrained in our constitution that we're, we're here for stakeholders and we're here to bring our purpose to life around creating financial empowerment for everyone. And if, and that's true to who we are. There are interesting debates you can have around things, which is, um, and we've had to figure out, you know, where is our line there? So when we started Sharesies, we initially thought that we would probably be potentially only offering what was deemed ethical or socially responsible investment options. That's kind of one thing we were looking at. But once we did all that research and dug into it, we learned that there's a massive continuum there in terms of what somebody deems as ethical and socially responsible. And we also learned that there's also a massive power in um, people becoming shareholders and helping drive the change in the companies that they want to see. So we decided we weren't going to limit there. And the, the biggest impact we could have on society is giving them choice that they've never had before. So we that was one kind of realm we go through. Now, one thing I would like us to offer more about, and we still haven't found the best data to be able to do it that we can trust, is is in the information on each of the investments, people could see a bit more about their environmental, social, or gov- you know, governance kind of um, scores or, or how they're going uh, so that people can make a bit more of informed decisions within the app. And that's something that we, I definitely want us to do over time. But mm. I don't want us to do that without having a lot of trust in that data and we haven't got there yet. But um, that's just one element. And But constantly, you know, as you grow a company, there's heaps of, there's always the quick way to do something, but it also doesn't always mean that it's the right thing. And I think it's really cool to see as she's scaled how there's there's just I just never am really faced with ethical dilemmas because there's just obviously a decision that we would make or not make, um, or like a bar for our decisions. And that is like, does this help create financial empowerment for everyone? Is it giving someone with five dollars and five um million the same money opportunities? And if it's not, then you know, like it's not something that we usually um you know, it's just not even something that comes up yeah no i love that i think it's such a clear sign of you know and i think we're seeing this more and more with consumers is do i trust them from the get go you know you know mm. is, are they is it accessible and relatable to me as well but also are they true to their values and we're you know yeah. really weighing up who we spend our money with or who we give our data to like you know putting mm. putting your id into an app is like oh like there's definitely, like, I've been scammed, like, three times this last couple of years. And it's, like, as soon as someone asks for information, I'm, like, Ugh, like, <laughs> you want to do your due diligence. Finance, we have to, though. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah. it's, uh, um, but yeah. it, what I'm saying is that you guys are clearly doing it really well because it's that, you know, it, yeah. it's that, um, it, like, um, I guess, living the values properly, which I think is so important and something that, you know, I think businesses are having to do more work on to make sure that it's authentic as well. Yeah. Um, and sticking to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we only ask questions we have to ask often. And um, and that's actually something that's kind of annoying like sometimes. Mother's I'd like to name, know more. but date of birth. Thank you, <laughs> things like that so we can track those things but you know we can look at aggregate level and do some um you know some analysis but i think it's also important like you know people's information is it's got to be protected mm. and we take yeah. it seriously for yeah. sure 
I mean, for um, startups out there, I think what I really love about your story is that it was, you know, it started from something small and it scaled and, you know, it's also very uncommon, I feel, to hear six founders behind it and, you know, having a common, you know, vision that you've stuck to and scaled. Um, But for someone out there who might be looking to, you know, start something that is hasn't been done you know and have to you know really figure it out what would your number one piece of advice be for you know people with ideas who want to start their side hustle or their business or and maybe even in in an industry that needs some disruption yeah I mean there's quite a few industries like that (laughs) eh? I think I read on someone's arm the other day, feel the fear and do it anyway. And it's kind of stuck with me. It's like, you know, it can feel quite overwhelming um, and it can feel like, oh, am I the right person to do this? You can go through a whole array of self-doubts and um, and things like that. But the world only works uh, on ideas that are executed. And I feel like the more that we, uh, like if we've got an idea and we're like, what's a real risk? It's like, just give it a crack and like make that first step. and don't let the first kind of naysayers, you know, there's a lot of people in our lives sometimes that like to protect us from risks, but like actually we need people to help us like be emboldened and take some risks sometimes. So, and like with side hustles, you don't have to give everything up at once, you know, it's not like, cool, check out my job, let's go. You can start to validate and test and talk to people and see if there's, if they like the idea and if they're, or not even ask them if they like the idea, but whatever you're looking at working at, uh, working out, starting to interview people around that to see, you know, is there a need here? Or am I solving a real problem for them? And then from that, you get from all of that research we did anyway. I got so empowered to the point where I was like, "The it's a bigger risk me not doing it than doing it." Like I can't take all this information and not do something, you know. And that's how we all felt. So you, you get to this point, and I think like let yourself create that future, you know, and mm. um. I guess I haven't said it really succinctly, but no, yeah, great. maybe it is feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I think I think you said something about the world needs people who you know are going to take that risk yeah. and be uncomfortable. I think that's amazing. Just one final question for you was: What would you say is your tip in terms of or like the key to success with Sharezy in terms of spreading the word, getting buy-in, you know, scaling consistently, you know, building a brand? What would you say for someone out there who's like, yeah, looking for that loyal following and you know, consumer uptake? Yeah. Um... Honest, I think the root of it all is when you have those conversations with people, you're starting to hear the language they're using. You're starting to see, hear like what's really important to them, and from that, you can it starts helping you shape your message and helping you shape the product that you're gonna or the service you're gonna be providing. And then you start to see like the value exchange come to life of where actually you're creating something that's so valuable in their lives that they're willing to pay for it. And once you get to that point it can take off, you know? And so it's like, it, it can feel really small at the start, you know, but every person or few you start to connect with and start to see that your message is resonating and that they actually want this thing and they're willing to pay for it. Then you've got that, what they call product market fit and you kind of grows from there. So don't, um, like it, good things start like that. I, I feel. And, and then, it, mm. and then they refer people. The best way to grow is through referrals um, and so if you're creating something that someone genuinely loves and is having a real impact in their life, then they'll go tell someone and, you know, um, 
And I think that's been a real cool way to see how Shazies has grown over time. And then, yeah, the other part is like once, you know, you've got that, is like that PR hustle is quite helpful. Like, you know, reach out to a journalist. They always want some stories, you know, or someone then, you know, and like try and get, if you're B2C, try and get a story or get some insights or case studies from that exposure and, and getting that out there because that helps you then spread the word a bit more. And um, PR was a big part of our growth along with referrals in the early days. Mm, I love it. It's very much that yeah. customer focus, you know, it's like you can have the best idea. Yeah. But And I think yeah. the other common theme that you've shared is this, you know, start with conversation, start with a customer at the center, you know, come in with an idea, but learn as you yeah. go and you don't need to have the perfect product, which I think, you know, a lot of people yeah. think, oh, no, I need to know that this is going to work and, you know, that we've got it all perfect. But so many ideas, you know, that get put on paper until they're in the real world don't really get their legs. Yeah. yeah. We used to call it the minimum lovable product like when we started that was a minimum lovable product because we needed it to be lovable um mm. and you started there and then yeah and then it's grown and yeah we'd be embarrassed yeah. of our product from you know that we had back then but like it that's how we started yeah. you know you've got to start yeah. somewhere yeah no I think that's it and someone I think it's the Airbnb guys were like if you you started with a perfect product you started too late or something like that yes. so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I love one. it. Thank you so much for your time oh. and congratulations on the app and everything that you've achieved and also just being, you know, a trustworthy brand in the world that we live in at the moment. So loved, oh, love chatting. Thank you so much, Kay. Love what no you've fun. been up to too and really appreciate your time. No worries. <laughs> Thanks for being here.